This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello all and welcome to episode 169 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko as always and we are four grumpy Germans this time to uh, preview Borussia Dortmund's match against Werder Bremen as the second half of the season kicks off more or less, although this is Bundesliga match day 7 and for that join me this time Lars Paulmann from Bleacher Report. Hello Lars. Hi Stefan, it's actually match day 17 but uh, whatever. Didn't I right? just say match day 17? No, you, How are you, you doing, Lars? You said seven, Stefan. It's on record. And now that I've said it, you can't just edit it out. All right. Hey, Lars. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you still said seven, Stefan. Well, yeah, Face the right. music. I'm fine. Next. That's that's very nice, Lars. Uh, thanks for pointing out my uneditable mishaps. So uh, with that, Luca Giel also here from Berlin. Hello, Luca. Hello, Stefan. Are you feeling as fine as Lars or even better? Uh I'm not sure if it's possible to feel any better than last, but I feel okay as well. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, also here with us today is the only Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung. Hi, Stefan. Hey. It's match day 17. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I wish it was match day 7, though. Why? Lots, Why? Of, <laughs> lots of bad things wouldn't have happened then. Oh, they would but have they, happened anyways. Yeah. They're about to happen. How's that better? Anywho, I don't know how many bad things are about to happen, um, but one bad thing happened in the last friendly game. Sven Bender is out for the start of the second half of the season. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Were Borussia Dortmund specific about it last? That was there a time frame for his ankle injury? No, I don't think so. But uh, Kicker reported it as being about six weeks, and knowing Sven Bender, that's probably on the short side. So. I mean, counting on Sven Bender for any extended amount of time is not the best strategy for Dortmund. And uh, even though they really kind of needed him uh, in absence of Mats Hummels and a second viable center of next to Socrates, they will not have him for, you know, let's, let's tentatively put it at two months and then see in March how long it really will take. Yeah, Luca, how bad really is the loss of Sven Bender now? Lars already touched up on it, but... Yeah, when you add the Socrates injury, he's probably not going to start against Bremen. Then you have Ginter and Bartra starting together in central defense, so... What does that mean? Does that tell you everything you need to know, basically? Um, well, we have a lot of new listeners, so... <laughs> it's really bloody bad when you lose Sven Bender. I mean, Thomas Suchel talked a lot about it, how much they... Uh, missed Sven Bender when he was injured so long after the Olympics and how they basically missed him as a character as well and missed him in the dressing room just because he's one of the most influential players there I think and one of the oldest heads as well and you, you, you don't just miss him uh, on the training pitch on and during games but also 
just in a dressing dressing room, being with the team and grounding those young kiddos. How Fair do you enough. know we have more listeners than before? It's wishful thinking. <laughs> or right. simply analytics. <laughs> but, you know, maybe may, maybe also wishful thinkings, you know. These these times, the internet can measure so many things, Luca, you wouldn't even know. Um, Constantino <clears throat> was skeptical. Well, I whatever. just asked a question. Moving on, um, or, or not moving on, Lars, um, are there any takeaways... Or conclusions we can draw from the friendlies Dortmund played. I I'm not sure if you saw them all. I haven't, but um, nevertheless, any any uh, projections from them to what we can expect in the second half of the season? I did watch all of them, even though some of it uh, on twice the speed on YouTube, which Dortmund thankfully allowed this. Uh, in the win in the winter break for the first time they put their games on YouTube live streaming then and then for posterity and uh, that was really helpful. Um yeah I think one thing that almost surprised me was that they uh played with only two formations all the three games. They always started in a four one four one and they usually went to a four two three one in the second halves <clears throat> when uh the most of the backups came on, I think Tuchel clearly tried to establish some of his players uh, for the first team. I think Matthias Ginter, for example, started all of the games with uh, Socrates unavailable since the, I think, 15 minutes into the first game he got injured. Is that correct? Right about? Um, Roughly, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so they clearly, in my mind, tried to establish a few players for the first 11. I think Piszczek only played with the DA team, if you like. Uh, with Paslak and Dorm in the second halves of those games. Um, Andre Schöle started uh, both the second and the third game up front, which uh, now that we know Adrian Ramos is more or less out of the door and not going to play against Bremen, I would presume, because you don't want him to get injured and then the deal's off. So, uh, you know, just those those two things, the, the, the lack of... Formation switches, which I, I kind of understand seeing as they haven't found their, their best formation in the Bundesliga yet. And then, uh, the, the two teams they really played with, they didn't mix the teams up as much as they did in the summer. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang right now on international duty at the Africa Cup of Nations with Gabon. Konstantin, that means, uh, as Ramos is also not available right now, there will be either Götze Schüle or Royce who has to fill in at the lone number nine role, or, or maybe Tuchel will opt for two strikers, or maybe even a false nine. Which is it going to be and why? So I would prefer uh, Royce, I guess. So, But according to the kicker, it will be Schüle. Yeah, um, so, so. Who, who cares what the kicker writes? They're not always. Oh, I mean, they're pretty good with their predictions as far as the lineups go. Uh, so, probably, surely, maybe Royce. I don't think Götze. I think Tuchel views Götze as a you know, attacking midfielder, someone who can play on the wing and can play uh, outside in and everything, but not as a false nine at this point. Surely. on the other hand, he could be the guy. I, I think when, when they signed Schürrle and when. Tuchel was convinced that Schürrle could bring something to the table. I think it was not only that he is a, a winger who can, you know, has some has speed and explosivity. No, that he can maybe explosiveness, right? Um, that he maybe can also play as a number nine. So 
I guess that's the way to go. I'm, it's it's a pretty awful situation when you're when you're really number one strikers out and Ramos is on the way out. Um, and then yeah, you look at your squad and you really see not really the best a, a reliable option. Really, I think Royce is not that great as, as a center forward. He he doesn't get how to move up front. He's more someone who needs a little bit of space. Um, and apart from a few counter attacks, he doesn't get that much space. Um, and Schürrle is pretty much the same. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 pretty bad. But what can you do? Fielding Socrates as a striker. <laughs> well, he's also probably out. So, Luca, same question over to you. Who do you think will or should play up front? Well, going by the friendlies, I think it'll definitely be Schürrle and then some interchanging just during the game. Sometimes Royce, sometimes even Götze. Um, just changing around uh, depending on how the how the game is going and just the situation wherever the ball is and things like that. And I I don't hate Schuller up front. I think he's a. It makes more sense to have him in the squad when he's the backup for the wing as well as as striker. Uh, I wrote that in the article way back when when we signed Schuller that it would make some sense if uh, Tuchel bought him with with having in mind that he could be the backup for Aubameyang. And yeah, it's it's a bit difficult because Ramos is, offers something different from Aubameyang. You can just throw him in the last 20 minutes or so and he wins headers. He uh, gets you the ball up front and just keeps it there with some hold-up play until the others advance. That's nothing Schuller can do, but he's pretty similar to Aubameyang what, in, in case of his um, strength and weaknesses. So I would expect something similar. You don't really have a plan B now. There's nobody on the bench. There isn't anyone you can call up from the second team, really. So uh, that that might be a problem in case Dortmund is going behind and their original plan isn't working. But let's hope it doesn't come to that. Last, do you know from the top of your head how many games should have played for Mainz as a center forward? I don't know the exact number, but it was interesting to see uh, when I researched that for an article in December uh, that he played central forward basically for all the clubs he played for. Uh, you know, uh, he was a striker in Mainz's youth setup, then he played some center forward uh, for Tuchel in the first team. Played some for Leverkusen, mostly as a secondary striker to Stefan Kiesling, but, you know, some games up front. At uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, he didn't really play much uh, under Mourinho, but uh, when he was used, you know, in, in cup games and, and against uh, lower tier Premier League opposition, he was playing up front as much as he was on the wings. And then I think uh, at Wolfsburg, he had this relatively decent scoring wise at least uh, second half of the season when he played mostly at striker he started for example both Champions League quarterfinal meetings with uh, Real Madrid at striker for Wolfsburg now uh, he's not close to Aubameyang's level but uh, nobody Dortmund have really is and even though I wholeheartedly disagree with selling Adrian Ramos I guess they could do worse than Schürrle who at least has some of the as Luca mentioned some of the things that Aubameyang does surely has some of the some similar traits. Let's put it that way. You know, he's he's not quite as fast, but he's still really fast for a striker. He he doesn't really think too much in the box. He wants to get shot off, and you know, I think 
also with Aubameyang and Gabon not looking too likely to advance to, you know, the final or something in the, in AFCON, it doesn't really strike me as a huge issue for Dortmund if, if Schöle plays, you know, two, two matches up front as striker. I think he can do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think Schöle has also a good synergy as a striker with Royce and Götze. We saw that uh, against Paderborn in, in parts. And I think at the beginning of the season, the summer, he played as a striker against Sandhausen and obviously Paderborn and Sandhausen are maybe not the highest benchmarks, but nevertheless, that, that looks, look still very positive. And I'm inclined to say that, uh, if he ups his finishing just a little bit, uh, he will be fine. And therefore, Borussia Dortmund will be fine going forward. Now, maybe we can look at who else is available. Uh, Konstantin, can you run us through the injury list? The injury list, um, yeah, sure. I mean, you got Berkey, who is still out, but, you know, on his way back to the squad, um, Subutic and Shine, it's just pretty much the same. So they are still out, but try to get back. Um, yeah, Aubameyang is in Africa, um, and Bender has an ankle injury. That's about it. And, and Dembele is questionable, I guess. Um, yes, yeah, so, so Socrates, I think he is. I, I think Socrates will be fine. Hasn't trained today, though, so. Yeah, but yeah, we are recording this on Thursday, so yeah, might right. be. I speculate that he will be fine. I don't know. Maybe maybe he won't, and he won't play against Bremen. But it's not a long term thing. It's just maybe for one match. Yeah, would and Usman Dembele will probably also not start against Bremen. Right. He had not, muscular. He's not problems. fully fit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, Rafael Guerrero probably also not starting. I guess. He hasn't been in team training for too long, although he looked bright when he played in the friendlies. But uh, yeah, no kind of his thing, right? No need to rush him. That's kind of looking good for uh, the amount of time he gets. Um, and, and just w one word uh, about the Ramos transfer. It's it's a little bit crazy when you think about it. I mean, like the last few months, it was the first time that Ramos got some traction, and he looked better and looked like he belongs there on the pitch with the other guys. And now he's out, like selling him to China. Of course, it's 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 a big deal and a great piece of business to sell him for 12 million. I, I guess you have to get the Sebastian Rode money back. Well, I think Thomas Suchel would agree with you because he also said that he doesn't really want to sell Ramos or lose... I mean, but, they, uh, they obviously, uh, sorry, Stefan, they obviously only sold him because he really wanted that move last season and he was a good soldier about it. But, you know, as uh, Konstantin just mentioned, he really played well, uh, I, I would say, the entire 2016. And let's remember he had a better second half of the season scoring-wise last year than Aubameyang did in the Bundesliga, scoring more goals than Aubameyang despite not playing that much. And uh, I, I looked at the splits for... Uh, Two articles actually, and and he uh, Ramos scored twelve and assisted four goals in what amounts to about twenty matches of uh, worth of playing time uh, as a central striker under Tuchel. Now, obviously, some of that is uh, coming on against tiring defenses or in games that uh, are already well decided. But even even keeping that in mind, if you extrapolate those numbers over a normal starting season as a central striker, you come out at at about 20 goals per season, which is absolutely fine even for a Dortmund striker. So Ramos has been productive under Tuchel when played in the right position. And I think some people are really happy he's gone. And, and those are the people who uh, 
arguably only remember the times when Tuchel tried and failed uh, using him on the right wing. You know, the, the Frankfurt match as the most glaring example, but I think that's misrepresenting who Ramos, I guess now we have to say, was for Dortmund. I think under Tuchel, uh, he was really a good, solid backup striker, as good as uh, a backup striker as Dortmund can afford usually. So I don't, I, as I said before, I wholeheartedly disagree with, with selling him, but as, as Luca mentioned, I guess uh, with him being 31 on Sunday, I think, and getting the chance to double his wages and play more, I, I guess they really felt like they had to allow him to leave just because he had been a good good guy in the locker room and, and they do have some options to uh, replace him. All right, then I guess we can shift our attention to Bremen as I also agree with everything Konstantin and Lars said. Um, and I've written down one question and that is, are Werder Bremen poor men's Borussia Dortmund as they currently are 15th in the league? Uh, three points above their rivals Hamburg. Their offense is arguably fine for a team that low in the table. They've scored 20 goals, which is as many as Schalke scored, uh, who currently sit in 11th place. We have to point that out, obviously, on the yellow wall pot. But they are the worst defense in the league with 34 goals conceded so far. So, uh, Lars, are Bremen a poor man's version of Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, I guess there, there are certainly some similarities um, with the divide between attack and defense being so sharp. I think Bremen have one of the, the better trios in attack, if you like, in the entire Bundesliga with Serge Gnabry, Claudio Pizarro and Max Kruse whenever they are all three on the pitch, which I think hasn't been the case too often this season with Pizarro uh, out for months and then... Max Kruse hasn't played too much, but but if they get those three on the pitch together, I think they have enough firepower not to get relegated this season. But their defense traditionally sucks donkey balls, and I think they they and Hannover uh, were the two teams who really most of the years uh, vied for the questionable honor of having the worst defensive record. And with Hannover in the second division this season, the 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 record will likely go to Bremen. I mean, conceding 34 goals in 16 match days, that's actually quite hard to do. And I, I don't even remember, you know, too many 5-0, 6-0 drubbings apart from the 6-0, the I think, uh, on the first match day against Bayern. Most of their games weren't really beatdowns, if I remember correctly. They just concede two or three goals in, 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 in every other game just because there's no defensive stability in there. So in that regard, uh, questionable de defense, if, if, if only questionable, not downright terrible and, uh, an awesome strike force. Uh, you can certainly draw some similarities to Dortmund. Yeah. Yeah. All right then. Uh, Konstantin, since you've watched all the Werder Bremen friendly scenario, the expert now, knowing exactly what they will do against Dortmund, um, what will they do against Dortmund without Slatko Junusovic, Philipp Bargfrede and Florian Grilic? who, as far as I know, are all midfielders. Right. They are all, especially now, they are all center midfielders. Lost talked about um, the attacking department, but he mentioned not one of the most important players there, Finn Bartels, who's as important as Napoli. Um, so, yeah, I think they have, like, four pretty, pretty good uh, attacking players. And if, if Kritic is on, on the pitch, I think he's... He's like a good connecting player, one who can fill in the number 10 role, but also 
be at least above average uh, as a center midfielder in front of a back line. So yeah, that he is not not available is pretty pretty bad for uh, Werder Bremen. Um, so you ha- you got Fritz, who is a decent counter pressing player, who's just like he's he's there, but he needs help because <laughs> he's not so- someone who can really create something. So I guess they will just stick to knocking the ball forward and then doing some counter pressing with uh, Fritz and Delaney in, in midfield and uh, Bottles, or maybe they will they will mostly. Um, play through the left uh, left half uh, space with uh, Tnabry, who's who's pretty active there. So yeah, it will it will look like Bremen against like teams like uh, Hamburg, for instance. So long balls, counter pressing, um, and the the good part for the, for them is that with Cruze and Pizarro, they have like two really agile, more agile, like technical sound players. Who are not like just waiting up front. Um, both are these kind of strikers who really want to get involved, um, in attacking place. So that's, that's one positive. Uh, if you look at, at their lineup and maybe they can create some danger with Pizarro and Cruze and Knapri and Bartels. Um, so these four players are, can be tremendous. Um, if they, they get something going, but without the help of, of someone like Krillich, um, it and Barkfrede, like Barkfrede and Grilich is like a good duo. I mean, Barkfrede is, is the more defensive part, and Grilich is more attacking, provoking player. Um, it's yeah, that's it's not good for is, them. Uh, Thomas Delaney, any good? The new signing of uh, Copenhagen, I think he is decent, but he's not. I if, for like for Preyman and what they can do on the transfer market. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good signing, but it's like especially. Uh, Paired with Fritz, I don't really see how they could work any or could get anything going through the midfield. They just have to use those two um, for counter pressing. It's just how how it goes. Uh, but but that uh, so lately focusing on counter pressing will limit the ability of uh, Bottles and Tlapri. Uh, because Bartels uh, needs his runs towards the the uh, offside line and Napri, sure he can make something going off the long balls, but he needs some ground passes right into his foot and then um, yeah, exploding there and got sh- just going forward, getting uh, at defenders. But that won't happen if they just knock the ball over his head. So we'll see. But yeah, Bremen will be like many other teams against Dortmund, I guess. Luca, Borussia Dortmund have been behind in every game since beating Bayern Munich. Do you think the same will happen again in Bremen? And if so, why not? <laughs> if not, why not? Do you mean? Um, going back to one point you made earlier, really quick. Um, Bremen have got have gotten better defensively, at least when you look at the goals conceded. Uh, in the month month of December, they conceded only three goals in four matches. So. That's not too bad. <laughs> Only. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's less than one goal per game. So that's that's not horrible. Um, it's below their average. At and that would be good for Dortmund as well. And, and below Dortmund's it. average, Stefan. Yeah. Let's, let's not yeah. give uh, Dortmund's Dortmund. defense too much credit in comparison to Bremen's. Yeah. I, I would never. Um, so, yeah. And when you look at the last few matches against Bremen, I think uh, the last one I was in the stadium, I think, there was a thriller, if I remember correctly. Dortmund um, are at not a really a thriller, but as much thrill as you could have when you were basically secured uh, when you basically secured the second place and there was nothing to play for. I think 
Bremen took the lead pretty late on and then uh, Dortmund scored two really late goals if I remember correctly and um, yeah quite a few of those of the games against Bremen have been won for but they've they were really tight and Bremen had some good chances and uh, yeah <laughs> weirdly enough the most vivid memory uh, for a Bremen game in Bremen was the one in Klopp's last season where he played I think it was Oliver was it Oliver Kirch was he still there and Gunnar or something and they played together in midfield but just lumped the ball up front every time and lost to Bremen to a Selke goal and I don't know who else scored yeah but that Lorenzen 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 yeah was it his only goal for Bremen? I'm not sure. But, but, but uh, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. you don't remember the Mats Hummels outside of the boot uh, cross to a diving header of Mikitarian last season? That's not no, no. more vivid than, than no. Oli Kirsch lumping balls I, forward? No, I, rem I remember the, the bad things more vividly than the, the good things, which explains a lot, I think. But yeah, that's, I, I kind of, I mean, we want, was the, Hummels outside of the boot and Mikitarian goal was it just a one nil or what, wasn't Bremen ahead in that game as well and then that was the the equalizer shortly before halftime? Be I think case. Roy scored in that game as well, so I, I, I knew they they won three one I think. Okay, but I don't remember but, which which goal that was, but it yeah. was such a such a cool goal to watch. So thought yeah. you'd remember that. Yeah, I think the, the Bremen games are always tough, but usually with the better end for Dortmund. So I'm hoping for the same this time. But the little, <laughs> the, or the few minutes I've seen of the friendlies don't, you know, they don't make me overly confident. And uh, I could easily see Dortmund concede first, especially if, if I mean, I don't want to put too much um, of the defensive woes on single players, but just playing G Bartra and Ginter in, in central defense isn't going to help anyone. So I could easily see Bremen's going first. Why is it not going to help anyone, Luca? <laughs> well, they are not that good. So, and if you pair both of them together, it's not going to, it's not bound to be great, I think. Uh, I mean, as much as Bartras had a great start with Dortmund and I loved him in the Super Cup and even in the first Bundesliga matches, he was good. He's declined so much and Sometimes does something amazing and then fucks it up with the next touch of the ball. So I'm not looking forward to that. And Ginter, <laughs> I heard your mid-season uh, award show and it's true that he probably is the most improved player, but he still sucks. So most of the time. So yeah, that's that. All right. With that confidence, we might <laughs> actually go. But we have, look. we have a good offense. So. Exactly. Just Look at the midfield. Uh, I don't know if uh, Tuchel will opt for four-one-four-one system with Weigel as the lone holding midfielder. Um, assuming he will, um, Lars, who do you think will uh, be fielded in uh, in midfield behind Schürrle? It's a good question. I think the only two players who I think are guaranteed a starting spot are Reus and Götze, simply because they are among the four or five best players on the club and they usually play whenever they're healthy. And then going by the the performances in friendly matches, I think Kagawa has earned the spot. But uh, this the same was said about both him and uh, Gonzalo Castro last season and then they both completely sucked out of the gate uh, in the first few matches after the winter break and, and both actually lost their spots in the in the matchday squad entirely. So 
take it with a grain of salt, but I think Kagawa's did play well in the friendlies and probably will get a spot. Uh, I think uh, Tuchel likes playing Kagawa and Götze because they are both adept at playing a bit deeper and they are both good in counter-pressing, so Götze doesn't have all the responsibilities there. And then it really depends on uh, the availability of Dembele. They rested Pulisic during the week, which was kind of weird because it's uh, just a friendly against a third division side. So how how much work is that really? How how much of a strain does that put on your body? So I don't know that. I, I mean, I would assume because he played really well in the first two friendlies that he's on a on a good run of form and then it would make sense to put him on the wing opposite of Reus but they didn't do that on Tuesday was the, the, the match against Paderborn so that gives me some pause you know if Dembele is good to go he's too good not to start and that's really the question then if if Dembele doesn't play I guess they would play with Castro and then don't really have a, a right winger on the field they would likely rotate uh, Reus Götze, Schürrle Castro, you would probably see all th- four of those guys on the right wing from time to time. And, uh, you know, the, the other question, of course, as you mentioned earlier, is, uh, can Rafael Guerrero uh, make a start? I highly, highly doubt it because it's too much risk, but, you know, you wouldn't put it past Tuchel, uh, if you remember that Nuri Shahin made his debut after 355 days of an injury absence playing in a pivotal Europa League match against Porto last season. So you never really know with, with Tuchel and, you know, Guerrero really did, did look amazing in the, I guess he played about 60 minutes, uh, in, in the two later friendly. So, you know, there are, there are t- so many questions that, uh, we can't really answer on Thursday evening before hearing the press conference and before knowing who's on the flight. So it's really just, uh, Nebelfischen, as we say in German. <laughs> yeah, but let me continue. Uh, Nebelfishing. <laughs> um, I could also see Pulisic starting on the right wing and Götze moving then uh, and, and forming a double eight, if you will, with Shinji Kagawa leaving Castro on the bench. But then again, Tuchel might also want to have Pulisic, Guerrero and Dembele as three super subs. I don't know. Konstantin, what do you think? And when I think about how Bremen will probably work the match, um, it's, it's kind of hard to see how, uh, what the best option for Dortmund is right now. Um, everything you mentioned, every, you know, formation lineup, you, you can, you know, get out there. It, it's, it's good and st- there are still question marks. And I think it's, it's rather important to think about how they can really improve their build up play. Um, it's not, uh, for me at least, it's not as important, uh, who will play like the, the, at the right wing of position. Is, is it Pulisic? Is it maybe, uh, Götze? Is it maybe Dembele who is not fully fit? Whatever. Um, they really have to figure out how to get the ball downfield and then, then from there, like, like what the attacking department does, it's, it's really good. It was, it was good, um, during the first, part of the season it was pretty good in many matches but to get the ball there to get you know Götze Kagawa involved that's the big question mark and not like who will be up front who will be behind Schürrle for instance who will be in 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 uh of attacking midfield that's 
Tuchel has so many good players. Um, they are he he can't do any wrong, I guess, or mostly. Isn't But, it or, or mm -hmm. isn't isn't the partnership of Ginter and Bartra supposed to help out on that? I mean, I've been very yeah, careful on paper, with my wording here. <laughs> I guess on paper, yeah, sure. When you look up their player profiles on I don't know where, uh, maybe there's just there are some bullet points like they are ball playing center backs. But then you look at some of the displays and you figure out maybe they aren't. <laughs> Or maybe um, they are not they are not good ball playing center backs, maybe. I mean, no, I think I think especially Bartra is, is really talented and yeah. I, I I like his forward movement and he can really can really uh run through pressing formations, but maybe he's not confident enough, I don't know. Um and Ginter, he you know, remember years ago he was signed as a ball playing midfielder, someone who can be the next Hummels. <laughs> remember? <laughs> yeah, I wrote that article on ESPN. <laughs> right. I sometimes sometimes when I'm bored, I just read that article just to remind myself <laughs> of the shit one can write. <laughs> yeah, the, right. <laughs> it's it's uh, the internet, well. you know. We'll never well. we'll never forget. We'll never forget what, what you said about uh, Matthias Ginter. It, it's like how it played out. I wrote that uh, signing uh, Yohu jo Park could be one of the shrewdest moves of Michael Zorg, so It's not, it's not like <laughs> almost like welcome to the camp. Yeah, it's not like Although, you're the only one, Stefan. My my proudest moment was, uh, and I don't know if I told the story, but uh, my girlfriend and I had booked a trip to Mallorca, and it seemed eminent that Henrik Mkhitaryan would extend his contract. So I sat down and and wrote a piece on how important his contract extension is and what it means for the club, and uh, filed it. And yeah, obviously it never got published since. <laughs> He never really extended his contract, but I wanted to have a nice couple of days of rest uh, in on at Mallorca. But yeah, I did so. But nevertheless, uh, Mkhitaryan sadly never extended his contract, meaning all my work was futile. And uh, yeah, my that, girlfriend still likes to remind me. <laughs> that that has nothing on the one transfer window of Constantine writing player analysis on everyone and nobody of them came to Dortmund. Torres, well, Tuchel is still mad about Torres not happening yeah. because he read the analysis of Constantine. Yeah. So, probably the reason. Yeah. Just like most of us, he didn't even know about Oliver Torres before Constantine wrote about him. So, exactly. <laughs> probably. One of yeah. the millions of readers for that But article. One, one quick thing about the ball playing center backs and that the ball has to get to our great offensive players. One thing I don't really understand is the formation changed to a four at the back now because one thing that improved with five at the back was not only I thought the defensive stability improved a bit but also the center backs uh, the right center back and the left center back had more freedom to move or to roam up front and play some uh, forward passes and some one twos and I thought they had some really good uh, yeah scenes against I don't know. Was it Hoffenheim? I think, and then in the in the in some of the games towards the end of the in the runde. It was definitely the Marino Bartra partnership against Augsburg. Was it in the in the final game? Last, you probably know better than I do, but there were some very encouraging signs of exactly the moves you just mentioned. And but that, well, those can have come from Mark Bartra because he was absolutely terrible in that game. <laughs> but who yeah. else was it then? But I remember Marino doing well at least. Yeah, that's not yeah, the that's, second half. That's not surprise, is it? 
And I oh, was it a different game? I don't know. But no, okay. no, it was, it was against uh, Augsburg in the second half. Like Bartra really fumbled uh, the thing in the, in the first half. Then he got uh, replaced by Marino. Marino played as a left-sided center back. No, no, um, no, no, no. no. Marino played from oh. the start. All right, he played from the start, but he was he moved to the left, I guess. Oh, whatever. Um, but he played <laughs> as a left-sided uh, center back in the second half. That's uh, that's important because then he got the chance to move forward with the ball. Uh, because like uh, Schmelzer protected him, Schmelzer uh, was uh, played deep, um, tying up Schmid, who, who was uh, Augsburg's right winger, and then Marino got a lot of space in the left half space to move forward and did some great stuff there. So yeah, yeah, you were you, you was you was on the pitch from the beginning, but but Bartra was really bad in the first half. So yeah, that's just one thing I don't really understand. I mean, if it works out, fine, but. I thought that improved Dortmund's build-up and improved the stability in build-up and they had more options in the first few lines and could get the ball or could advance the ball more regularly towards their great players. So something well, I don't really understand. But Well, uh, here's, the, yeah. here's the thing. like Especially the Augsburg match showed that you can have a decent build-up player with a back four, but then you have to have a second center midfielder there uh, near the near the back line uh because like what i could see happening is that weigel would drop between the center backs and then there's nothing there's just just empty space uh and somewhere up front gets a uh kagawa castro or maybe castro nova uh gets a kagawa they were roaming around and so you know 40, 40 yards apart or something. And against Augsburg, you saw that when Götze played high up the pitch on the half left, somewhere, somewhere there, um, it was pretty, pretty bad. And then uh, Tuchel changed the system and everything, and Götze played deeper, really close close to the uh, back line, the first phase of the build-up play, and, and Dortmund looked decent. Which is which is exactly why I would uh, put Pulisic on the right and uh, Götze in instead of Castro, because... We've seen it in the friendlies a little bit, especially in the form of Usman Dembele, that one of the number eights, let's let's call it that, uh, drops deeper, sometimes next to Weigel, sometimes even deeper, uh, to to get the ball and, and to actually, you know, provide the options. Because you mentioned it, and we've seen it so many times, that between the lines of Dortmund's attack and defense, it was too often the size of Australia, basically. There there was just too much space, and uh, I think they have addressed the issue, and now there is one player dropping back, and I feel more confident with Götze dropping back uh, in, let's say, pressing territory uh, than Castro, but that's just my opinion, I don't but know. One thing that would yeah, kind of make it. it unlikely for Pulisic to start is that uh, I think Tuchel is hesitant to start two really goal-oriented wingers at the same time. Most of the time he's he's playing uh, Royce or Pulisic on one side and then Dembele or more on the other side. Um, I, I can't remember many games, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't remember many games where Royce and Pulisic, uh, meaningful games in the Bundesliga, Royce and Pulisic or Royce and Schürrle or those guys started together. Well, that's Usually, that's really... Uh, not saying much, Luca, when you consider how many games Royce missed and the last time Pulisic and Royce were healthy together and, and, yeah, but also uh, Pulisic was seventh. Yeah, and Royce and Schürrle have played uh, four Bundesliga games together. That's not enough of a, a, a data set to make any kind of assumption. I mean, I would, uh, it's still, even when they were all fit, I think they usually paired Did, up. Didn't they one. all start against Real Madrid? Or? 
yeah, there there were there was the one game there where they could use a counter attacking approach, so it made sense there. But but can't you use a counter attacking approach against Werder Bremen? <laughs> I, I don't think they'll be high enough on the on. They I don't think they'll press high enough or will have enough of the ball for that. I'm not too sure. I feel like Bremen sometimes uh, <laughs> likes to play it risky, hence their 34 goals they conceded. I I don't think they'll do that against Dortmund. And they don't really play risky, to be honest. They're just shit, Stefan. Uh, all right, right. fine. That's, that's uh, uh, quite the opposite, uh, to be honest. Like, they have a really bad pressing or no pressing at all. Uh, and then they got, just get outplayed. They have no pressure on their opponents. Well, that um, should help Dortmund big time, shouldn't it? Yeah, but it, it, it helped other opponents when um, they played a 4-1-4-1 or something without Pizarro. Uh, but now Pizarro and Cruz are up front. They will make more pressure there, but but still, it's it's Bremen. They had some pretty good pressing dis- displays, uh, especially against Hertha, uh, which was quite surprising to be honest. When you watched the matches prior to the to the Hertha win, um, so we will see. It will be surprising, uh, one way or the other. All right, then uh, I guess we can cut the chit chat about Werder Bremen against Dortmund and uh, move over to the predictions. And we will start with Lars, so he cannot. Or that he can actually claim that we all copied him. So Lars, you go ahead. You will call it a housewife. No, it's not really the housewife tip because I'm going for a 2-1 away win, but it's close enough, I guess. All right. We'll see. <laughs> Luca? 3-3. Uh, three, three. Well, that is, that is, that is confident, but I mean, we have two bad defenses and two good offenses, more or less on paper. So it's a top heavy side that could result in a goal fest. Do you agree, Mr. Eigner? No. 1-0. To Bremen? To Dortmund. Alright. I'm going for a 3-1 to Dortmund. I think uh, Dortmund have a lot of goals in them, but they will obviously, obviously concede <laughs> first. No, I don't even know. But, I mean, uh, Weinfeller yeah. will be in goal, right? Weinfeller, yeah, he, 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 really? Okay, 3-3. Free, free. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you all predict so few goals against Dortmund when Weinfeller, Bartra, Ginter is happening. But we'll see. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's going to be 2-3. We don't know. But, you know, I've made my prediction and I'll stick to it. Um, anything else? Anyone of you want to get out there before we end the show? That's really specific, Stefan. Can't think of anything. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a general shout. But uh, since everyone is shaking their hands. Go I Pets. All the, all the best. to Go Steelers. Go Packers. <laughs> just track it out. Oh, God. All right. So this was episode 169, and now everyone will tell you where where they are to find on the internet. Konstantin Eckner, you will go first. Uh, Twitter, cc underscore eckner, spielverlagerung.com. Nice, Check nice. Check it out. Lars? I am to be found on Twitter at Lars Pollmann. I have to change it up now, occasionally on Bleacher Report, because of some changes to the way they report on football. And now more regularly which you know i'm not getting paid for but it's still nice uh, for yellowwallpot.com nice i'm looking forward to all the great content on yellowwallpot.com also from luca gill isn't that right luca probably not no <laughs> all right fair <laughs> enough <laughs> Where great can attitude. People find you find you on the internet at luca gill right that's about it cool all right so you are not to be found in berlin no I'm all right close. still no twitch channel luca Work in progress. All right. With that, <laughs> you can find me at Stefan Butzko. You can follow the show on Twitter as well at Yellow Wallpot. Uh, 
You can also follow our Facebook page. Also, I think Yellow Wallpot. And as mentioned before, you can find our written content on yellowwallpot.com where you can also find all the channels where this podcast airs, which is SoundCloud, Stitcher and iTunes. Please subscribe and give us nice ratings. And other than that, we will talk next week after the game against Bremen and we'll preview mines. Goodbye.